0: Well, let's welcome our senior pastor. Come on! Wow! Wow! Praise God! Amen. Praise God! Open your Bibles if you would. I'm not going to make too many comments at the beginning. We're going to make lots of comments part way through. I promise you that. That we're in for a very, very interesting year. I want you to prioritize that Wednesday evening meeting. I want you to prioritize it. This year, you're going to hear the Word of God at a level and an understanding that you probably haven't had for a long time. But it's not enough to hear the Word. You've got to be a doer of the Word. So I want you to prioritize that Wednesday evening. This man's coming over to speak here. We have to honor him. Okay, I don't care what else you got on, oh, cancel it. All right, cancel it. That's so important. Even Sarah, she's given, cancel it. <laughs> Baby can wait. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 13. Chapter 13, open your electronic stuff, whatever it is you're using. <clears throat> and I'm going to read some scripture. And we're going to go from verse 6. Jesus has been teaching. What we're picking up is teaching in verse 6. And this is what he says. He also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? In other words, it's a waste of space. But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit well, but if not, after that you can cut it down. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and he said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work, therefore come and be healed on them, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite, Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his donkey from the store and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it. For 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. And when he'd said these things, all his adversaries went were put to shame. And all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him, by Jesus. Those two accounts there are linked. What we tend to do or do in the past is we've preached each one separately. But they are linked. They are one. So first of all, we've got a vineyard which is not producing a, yeah, blah, 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 a fig tree, which is in a, in a fig yard. <laughs> Figure it out. A fig tree which is not producing. That is linked to the woman who for 18 years is suffering. Jesus links the two together. It's not two separate events. They are linked together. Now, Jesus' miracles are, for, and, and where we are in this scripture, were assigned to the Jews to believe that he is the Messiah. When we read this, it's assigned to us to believe that he is still the Messiah the Holy One of God, the only one who can do miraculous things still today. If we, don't, if we don't watch out for the signs, we miss the turning. I was at a wedding last week and halfway through the evening performance, so Marion's daughter got married, lovely. Wendy said to me, move the car down. We were staying overnight in a cottage just around the corner on the same plot of land. But she said, move the car down a bit closer so we can unpack the car late in the evening. and I said, Oh yeah, okay. So came out of the um, function room, walked up through the complex, picked, got in the car, and I thought, well, that's the way back. I jumped in my car... Drove back down around that way and missed the turning. So I thought, All right, I've got to turn my car around now, obviously. So I'm in the process of doing a three point turn and the front wheels go down in mud. This is half past nine at night. I got my suit on and I'm thinking, I'm stuck because I didn't pay attention to the turning. Nobody else's fault. Wendy's not around. Can't blame her. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I d- I'll leave the car there, walk back up into the function room, went to my son and said, look, now if he'd done it, I'd still be mentioning it. <laughs> so I said, Dave, I'm in trouble, mate. My car's stuck down the road there in the mud. And he's looking at me thinking, I got you for a dad. <laughs> so we... Rounded up Dave, who's in his suit. Now, Marion's eldest son is six foot four, and he must be some eight? eight? Six foot eight. I thought I met Goliath. And, and he's just as wide. He's muscle. He plays rugby. You wouldn't want to run into him with a rugby ball. So I said, Luke, I need your help, mate. I need your muscle. He said, what's the problem? I explained it, and he said, I've got my best naval uniform on. I said, you'll be all right. (laughs) And he went to his mate who was was with him, and I think it was about four of us all walked down to my car. And I could see Luke's going, let's leave it till tomorrow morning. (laughs) And I'm thinking, no, no. Leave it till tomorrow morning, you'll have forgotten it, and then you'll be packing up going home, and my car's still in the mud. So anyway, long story short, we opened the back doors and got the seat belts out and they pulled a good trick that, isn't it? Joe, so next time you get stuck in mud, all right, back open the back doors, pull your seat belts out. And the, these guys got hold of it. I sat in the front wheels spinning and praise God we got the car out. Well the car's in a mess, but you know, Wendy didn't deal with that when she gets home. <laughs> all because I'd missed the turning. When God points something out to you, if you miss the turning, there were consequences. The Jews here are going to miss a turning. We can miss the teaching that's contained in here for this year. We'll get into that in a minute. Jesus accepts an invitation from from the leader of the synagogue to come and speak. Now, let me warn you. Brilliant when we have meetings and Jesus turns up. But be careful. (laughs) Because he has an agenda that very often is not your agenda. He's going to do something in meetings which at times will cut across what you like. Oh, I wouldn't be like that. You'd be surprised. This year, you are likely to be offended at what Jesus is going to do. But only those who see the turning that he's making will be rejoicing.
1: The leader there at the synagogue,
0: great booking. Got Jesus coming. Got Jesus coming to my synagogue. Top man. This is going to boost my ego. This is going to purse the offerings up. This is going to make this synagogue the talk of the area. Jesus is coming. and Jesus comes. no fanfare walks in, but his agenda is very different to the leader of the synagogue. Jesus is going to cut across any religious spirit that is around you or even in this place. We can settle here for a routine of doing things. I want to tell you, this year Jesus is going to come in here by the Holy Spirit and he's going to cut across some stuff that we may not, first of all, like. He doesn't come to make us comfortable. He comes to make us sharp. Yes, amen. He comes that we might bear fruit. Bear fruit. Especially this year. You see, the purpose of the fig tree was to bear figs. That's its sole purpose. It's not there to look glamorous. not there to enhance the garden. It's there to bear figs. The purpose of the church is to bear fruit. Your purpose is to bear fruit. My purpose Now, the leader of the synagogue wanted to preserve the law and the teachings of Moses. You must say, well, that's integrity. It is to a certain extent, but it's wrong. Jesus wasn't concerned with the greater law. He came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it, but to fulfill it. And he did that. He totally fulfilled the requirements of the law. Now Jesus walks into the synagogue with a greater law, if you like, something greater than the law of Moses. God's covenant, God's covenant is what Je- Jesus brings into that religious situation they were living or they should have been living under the covenant of Abraham which when you read it is about blessing choose this day cursing or blessing they should have been living under the blessing of the covenant of Abraham as They're descendants of him, as we all are, descendants of Abraham. Now, the first challenge to face... I think I've jumped two pages, and I shouldn't have done. Yeah, we have. Let me recap. I'm not going on to point two. I'm going to go on point one. Right. Jesus walks in and they should have been living under the covenant of Abraham but he recognizes obviously they're not. So Jesus heals the woman but the ruler of the synagogue is angry. He's angry at him. His delight in having Jesus turn up is turned into anger. What have I done allowing Jesus into my synagogue? He's just done something. This woman has been ill for or sick for 18 years with this sickness and he's dared to do it on the Sabbath. He's totally angry, furious, with Jesus you could have done it Jesus or you should have done it on the other six days of the week this is the Sabbath Jesus walks in and he brings a New emphasis. He says this by implication. He says this by what he did for the woman. This is the implication of what he wanted to do. Say. He's saying here: Does the person matter more than the meeting? Does the person matter more? than the meeting one person walking into this meeting today actually matters more than the whole of the rest of the meeting if that person has a need yeah but it's not Sunday morning like I like it to be I didn't come for I come for the teaching I come for the praise and worship I come for Jesus. This is going to be the challenge this year. Or one of the challenges this year. Why do you come? And that's not an excuse to stay away. I'm not trying to get rid of people. I want you to look at why you come. Are we so focused on turning up, doing what we normally do, that we miss what Jesus really wants to do in the midst. Jesus is saying by implication here to the ruler, this woman is greater than your Sabbath observance. This ruler here of the synagogue, Bear in mind she'd been sick for 18 years, it seems to me that he tolerated her. Probably tolerated her for 18 years. Maybe he'd not even noticed her for 18 years because he was so taken up with his role but Jesus says she's a daughter of Abraham now that has incredible implication which they were not picking up on as a daughter of Abraham she was under a covenant As a born-again Christian, you and me are under a covenant. A covenant that promises blessing, not cursing. The new covenant is an abundance of life in spite of life. For 18 years.
1: Jesus was more concerned with the woman than the
0: synagogue. God's covenant with Abraham promised blessing on Abraham's descendants. You've got to learn to live in the covenant. One of the challenges this year isn't about dotting the I's and crossing the T's. It's about living in the covenant, the new covenant, a blessing. The provision is there. The famine is over. The provision is there. You have to take the provision. Or not. (coughs) Living under a new covenant promises blessing in spite of life and what it can throw against you number 2 faith has to overcome criticism faith has to overcome criticism <clears throat> this woman had not said a word she'd not asked jesus to do anything in fact Nowhere in this this dialogue here does she actually talk at all. Now, that's a miracle. (laughs) She never asked Jesus for anything. I would imagine she's now highly embarrassed because she's got the ruler criticizing Jesus on one hand, which implicates her and on the other hand, she's, she's full of joy now because for 18 years, all she's seen is her feet. She was stooped over. Now she's upright. Now she can see the joy in her, but she's caught between the two. That's what religion does for you. When you put God in a box, when you say it can't happen here, it can't happen there. It's been 18 years and I've still not seen the covenant blessing of God. You put him in a box. I want to tell you he's going to break the box. He wants to break open that alabaster box that the fragrance might come out and fill the room with his goodness. was probably embarrassed at being the center of attention. She didn't ask for anything. She might have been inwardly asking, oh, I don't doubt that for a minute. But I love the initiative that Jesus takes. She was caught between the two of them. The religious system or the routine and the life that Jesus comes to bring. And when Jesus turns up in a meeting, he's in effect going to wreck that meeting, to turn that meeting around to him and what he wants to do. And he's going to do it here. He's done it before here. It's not new to us, but this year we're going to see the power of God moving in this place. 18 years of suffering, people around her probably no longer asked her how she was. You know, you can live with suffering. Sometimes you have to live with suffering. But I want to tell you, there is a level at which you can come out of that suffering Even if your body is not touched, there's a level that you can come, a spiritual level that you can rise above because Jesus has noticed you.
1: Now that he noticed her, he touched her. You see, There are times when Jesus wants to touch you by the Holy Spirit.
0: He wants to touch you. He's touched you this last year. Touched many people in this congregation in the last year. That, to me is a sign that he's going to do even more with people coming in.
1: We're going to see here a church that is not
0: relying on the pastors to do all the work. We're going to see here a group of Christian born-again believers, you, (coughs) praying for people when they come in. And seeing Jesus touch them. Amen. You see, our job is quite simple. Our job is to equip you.
1: We're not supposed
0: to do the work. That's good news. But see, we live in a culture, a Christian spiritual culture where the guy at the front or the guys at the front who lead the church, they're the only ones who do the praying. We we catch it very quickly. Not meant to be. Our job is to equip you. Our job is to equip you so that when you observe, or do you observe when new people come in, because very... Quickly, we get caught up into this. Is who I talk to when I first come in. Oh, I got some. I've, I've got to get to so and so, and I understand all that stuff. My eyes, my eyes, are not in that direction on a Sunday morning when I come in. Up until about twenty-two quarter to ten to eleven, I'm watching who's coming in. I'm watching because I want to know if God says to me, go and do something. Why should a person have to wait until the end of a meeting for a prayer line? And I like prayer lines. Why? Because it's a culture we have caught. Why should a person who's suffering with something come in and not be instantly prayed for? Why make them wait another hour? It can happen that way, and it only happens that way when we're listening to the Holy Spirit. Many people in congregations constantly saying to the leaders of the church, what's my ministry? What am I here for? It's because they're not watching the door. You need to be watching the door. Seeing who God is bringing in and being available, not just to the leaders of the church, but being available to the Holy Spirit to say, okay, I'll go and minister to them. I'll go and greet them. I'll go and welcome them. And out of welcoming them, something else could lead on, Jen.
1: It's the kind of interactive church because this fig tree has to bear fruit.
0: And Jesus says he's going to water it and fertilize it. The last, last year, we've been watered and fertilized. We're not going to get stagnant When you walk in, how do you choose your seat? Well, anyone that's available. And if you come in late it gets a bit more difficult. I can see people say, Oh no, there's a handbag on that one, and that's just the men. There's a there's a coat on that one I can't sit there. No, 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 no. No. Open your eyes. Where do you want me to sit, God? Who's going to be in my row that you want me to? Well, I always sit here. I mean, they always sit there. You always sit there. You always sit there. Yeah, you always sit there. We always sit over here. You know, Marion's looking to get in. We're creatures of routine, aren't we? why am I saying this kind of this, you know, you're being a bit stupid small no, no, no. no what I'm saying is really could be summed up in be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit yeah. where you sit yeah. I believe this year you are going to start praying for people Amen. in this congregation because he's fertilized you Amen. and he's watered you it's not just coming in on a Sunday anymore. No. God's gonna open Amen. with you. Yeah. I've got a burden
1: for long term sickness. Got a burden. It it
0: bugs me. Yeah. Absolutely bugs me. Unbelieving for healing and long-term sicknesses. Yes, Amen. Yes, Lord. Why? Because I know. Because we're children of the covenant. Yeah. God. We're children of a covenant. Jesus noticed her. Nobody else did. Everybody else got used to her. Being in that way. Now that he noticed her, he touched her. And straight away, we're going to see some straightaways. I believe it. You are going to see some straightaways, I should say. You. Now, the covenant, the uh, Abrahamic covenant that she was living under, confronts the enemy. Jesus makes it very clear what's behind this sickness. verse 16, you're a daughter of Abraham. Satan has bound you. Now, let me say right at the very beginning, right now not every sickness is due to Satan binding that's not true that, that, that's a reality not every sickness is, is <coughs> satanic but some are not only are you going to be watching the door not only are you going to be choosing your seat the minute you greet somebody welcome somebody you're going to be saying God there's there something here that you want to tell me about because unless you ask for revelation you're just thrashing about unless you bring the Holy Spirit right into your very moment you walk through those doors you just guess what, and you'll get it wrong you'll get it wrong We are dependent on the revelation of the Holy Spirit when it comes to dealing, because we're all unique. Every person that walks through that door, whatever their circumstances, is, is, is unique. Now, Satan is not the author of every sickness. We know sin is the author of every sickness. Jesus discerns the root of the problem deals with it Satan's had her bound. I do believe this though when a sickness in your body is ongoing maybe, when a sickness in your body is ongoing he will try to bind you he will The longer you wait and waiting sometimes is not your fault. Don't feel guilty about waiting. God's on the case. If God has spoken to you he's on your case. The longer the time, and we keep time we remember it's been X amount of days, months, years, we've got a good record of that. If we do not stay fresh in the Holy Spirit, the enemy can bind you. He can certainly make you very miserable. He can very often then make you start to doubt the real word of God which was spoken to you.
1: Christian victory
0: over Satan is not by the amount of praying we do or the volume of the praise we make. It comes down to one simple fact. Our victory is because of our faith in the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. Your healing, your blessing was because of the cross and one in the cross of Jesus Christ and the suffering, the shed blood. That covenant was cut like all covenants are in blood, shed blood. I read this from the Message Bible and I loved this. It really gripped me when I read this. From Colossians chapter two verse fifteen. This is what the message says. Christ has stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. Oh, I love that. I gotta believe that. Christ has stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. I love that. But I've got to believe the covenant is for me. I've got to believe that I can move on the authority of that covenant. And so have you. This year we're going to see or we have the potential to see change.
1: Change. We're going to see
0: some promises of God being fulfilled in people's lives. And in certain cases, it's going to be fulfilled even though the person has given up asking. Because Jesus sees and Jesus is going to touch. That's why I charged him this morning. Every time he stands up, He speaks Jesus. Whoever is at the front here, whoever is going to preach this year, and we got an interesting situation of preachers, but whoever is at the front has to speak Jesus. Has to speak Jesus because there is life in those words the system of the synagogue is not greater than the Christ of the cross it's not greater it's less the activities of church life are less than the Christ of the cross because he came to bring life
1: and life more abundantly.
0: God doesn't make covenant with synagogues. He makes covenant with people. He doesn't care whether we meet in here or we meet in the car park. It's why we meet. That's what he's concerned about. He says, if that fig tree doesn't bear fruit, I'll give it one more go and cut it down. You ever wonder why church is close? Not rocket science. They stopped valuing the presence of Jesus And running things their own way. Maintaining the status quo. You know, you can run a church without the Holy Spirit. Right, isn't it, Jim? You can run a church without the Holy Spirit. You can pick the right songs. Preach a nice little word. Pat everybody on the head. Tell them everything's wonderful. John was relaying the situation to me this morning. It's okay to mention it, isn't it? Yeah. Certain vicar told his congregation, Regard, disregard now totally the Bible. It's obsolete, it's out of date, and all we need is love. All we need is love, God's love, through His Word. In this church, The word, because signs and wonders follow the preaching of the word. Because the word brings life.
1: God makes covenant with people.
0: Now, I want to give you six quickly, and I'm going to preach it just quickly. Six. Things at the start of the covenant the head of the covenant when you take out a covenant there's always a heading you go to a solicitor and you you know you don't call it covenant so much now you make a legal document there's a heading I want to give you six things that you're going to see this year regards to Jesus and you're going to see you may see all six you may see one of the six I'm not, pro- you know, I'm not saying you're going to see all of them That's God's business. But you will see some of these six things, six things in your life this year. If you watch the signs. Number one, unto us a child is born, a son is born, and a son is given. You're going to see the purpose of Jesus in your life. This year. More than you've seen it before. Number two. His name will be called Wonderful. Situations come into your life that you may end up calling him Wonderful. Or not. This year, you can see... How wonderful God is to you. Wonder. He's going to make you wonder that He might be wonderful in your life. The year that the locust has eaten is over, it's over for those who believe it. His name will be called Wonderful. His name will be called Counselor. I don't know what to do. But you have a counselor, a personal, paid-up counselor who only gives good advice. He's going to be a counsellor to you, one who can help you, comfort you. His name will be called Wonderful, Counsellor, Mighty God. You're going to discover just how big our God is, how much might he has, where he will turn around... (laughs) Impossible situation because to him nothing is impossible. You might come up against a blank, a a shut door, an end corridor, and there's no retreat. And my mighty God steps in and just blasts it apart. You're going to know him this year as the everlasting father. You're going to know him as a father who is so good to you personally that all his resources are at your disposal. That's what a father does. A natural father does not see, a good natural father does not see his children wanting when it's in their His power to meet that need. If things are in your power to meet the need of somebody else, do it in the name of Jesus. And you will see the goodness of God rebound into your own life because God is no debtor. You can discover in this year is the mighty God. Everlasting Father and you can finally discover him this year as the Prince of Peace stop worrying stop worrying John just read
1: it I'm your God of peace I will lead you with my peace
0: are you at this time having to make decisions in your life I say to you you and guide you with my peace. I will guide you supernaturally. I will guide you and I will give you wisdom and strength. Face every decision ahead of you with
1: confidence and
0: courage. Amen. And lastly of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. It's not going to end at the 31st of December next, this year. It's going to spill over. didn't end at the last couple of weeks ago or whenever it was, a couple of days ago, the 31st of December last year. The famine is over. The provision has come. But you've got to eat the provision. You've got to believe again in the provision. That's your challenge. I can't make it happen for you, but I can encourage you to go again and watch what three years of no fruit turn into fruit. 18 years. You might have been suffering for 18 hours, 18 days, 18 months, 18 years. I want to tell you, God is going to turn up. He sees you. He's going to touch you. And you're going to bear fruit. If you believe it. If you believe it. If you don't believe it, you'll end up in a religious system which is Dead. Which is dead, and you get used to just coming here on a Sunday. My job is to get you unused to coming here on a Sunday. My job is to move the seats around, (laughs) to deliberately offend you. My job, in our job, Dan's job is to fertilize. In water, in Jesus' name. Amen. And watch you bloom.
1: It's
0: the only way out of spiritual depression. There is a spiritual depression, do you know that? Jesus wants to set you free, He wants you to believe Him again. Believe him again. I'm very careful in picking my words this morning. uh, Lots I want to say. I'm not into hyping anybody up this morning. I never want to be into that anyway. But you see. I can believe for you I can believe that Jesus wants to do X, X, X and X in your life your life, your life, your life I can believe that for you but I can't make it happen I can believe that we're going to see miraculous things this year because we've had signs of it last year What's happening with Chris and Sarah, It's miraculous. Yeah. Absolutely. If you knew the history, absolutely miraculous. the child's going to be born. In the next. Six, eight, eight days, six days, eight days. Yeah It's
1: a sign. It's not just for them.
0: What God has done in doing for them, he's going to do for some more people in this room.
1: Spiritually and physically.
0: I believe that. I can believe that. But I can't make it happen can pray for it to happen i can believe for it to happen but it takes the holy spirit to take the word of god this woman 18 years of just looking at her toes and suddenly god breaks in and he opens up a whole new panorama horizon for her can you imagine what she must she she was just awestruck she came in Crippled, and she's going out. Pff, pff, I didn't even ask for that this morning, God. That's the kind of meetings, that's the kind of times that I've seen in the past, but I want to see it more, and I want to see it now, and I want to see it this year, here. Here. because Jesus has not changed
1: yes, Lord.
0: and we're under a covenant that promises life do you want to say something?
2: for it. If you want me to say it, then do it. <laughs> so here it is. I've got a word.
0: I'll stand by you. Oh, you got no mic. I'll I've got
2: a big mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Thanks, Carol. I it. a <laughs> It's not going to be long, but I felt excited. I have, at the end of last year, the famine is over. Yeah. 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 We've been saying it. And we've been saying it in all sorts of situations. And it's, and it's, and it's been in my heart. And I, if you know me, I'm a questioner. I'm a, well, oh, what does that look like? What does that mean? You know, um, I, I just don't take a word at value. I want to I dig. I want to find out what's in there. So one of the first things I started to sense is God's building an expectation in us. In me. (laughs) Yeah? And um, do you know he wants us to expect our prayers to be answered? That's just me. (laughs) He wants us to expect his promises to be fulfilled. Is that just me? Expectation? Yeah? He wants us to live every day in that expectation, he wants us dare to believe, to dare to believe again, to dare to trust again, and it is a daring. Yeah, it is a daring because it will stretch us. I want to tell you there are strongholds in families that need to be broken, and we speak Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I believe it. Yeah. I was at a wedding with lovely Marion's family in two. Lads separately came and sought me out because they know I speak Jesus and they spoke Jesus to me. Yeah? I wanna tell you there are things happening and it isn't all about being in this building, but I believe that we are gonna see deception broken, strongholds changed, curses that have been over families because we are people of blessing and you and me are curse breakers. Do you know that? I believe it with all my heart. The famine is over but only if you've got faith in God to believe it. It's no good just hearing this man say it. I got to have the faith in God to believe it is over. You got to have the faith in God to believe it's over every famine that your family has walked through and are experiencing whatever that looks like, you've got to start having an expectant heart and start speaking from this moment that it's over. Yeah? Dan said it the other week. You've got to see it ever before. It's happening. And the responsibility is ours. And this is the line that God gave me. And I was so excited because after two prophets of God spoke this, I found it, I didn't look for it, it just happened, it came, but this is what God said to me, God is about to turn your famine into a feast. Wow! I've been excited about it. I believe it's going to be opened bigger, yeah? He is about to turn your famine into a feast. And I believe he's going to open that up more because I'm excited. And do you know the first thing that I got to do? I got to feast on his presence. That's where it begins. Feasting on the presence of God. When you've come out of a famine, you are hungry. I'm hungry for you, Lord. I'm hungry for you. I need his touch. I need his presence. If I'm going to be going out in that world and I'm going to be that light, I've got I've not got to go looking for it. I want to be somebody that people are drawn to me. They come and find me because of the light of Jesus that's in me. They'll seek me out. Because when God does it, He makes it easy. I've got to make room in my life to feast on the presence of Jesus every day. I've got to create the time. I've got to create the space. And I'm being challenged in it. And that's how it's meant to be. You want your famine over? Then create space. Create the space to feast on Jesus. Create the space to come into his presence, whatever that looks like for you and whatever that looks like for me. And I want to tell you, he'll bring, bring fresh vision into your heart. He will do it because he is faithful. Yeah, he's about to turn your famine into a feast. But it's your faith in God that ends the famine. And it's not all about circumstance. I started, I've been listening to people saying, Well, this has happened, but the famine is over. And that's happened, but the famine is over. And now I've walked through this, but the famine is over. And it started bothering me. I thought, What's, that, what's this meaning? What are you saying, Lord? And what I realized was this, we've got to stop talking about the famine and we've got to start being expectant now for the feast. I want to tell you, if my Jesus can set a table before me in the presence of my enemies, that's talking about feasting. Amen? Yeah? That's emphasizing on my Jesus and the feast that he set before me and not about the enemy. Yeah? That's putting Jesus above my circumstances. Yeah? So instead of saying the famine's over, start saying I'm feasting. I am feasting. I'm stuffing my face with all of the things that Jesus has got for me. And I may not be seeing what I want to see at this moment, but I'm expectant. Amen? I am expecting, so expectant that you start to look like Sarah. I've said this before, am I? On a Wednesday night. We are so, you know, we're so filled up with the word of God. We are fat and we are full. Amen. And I want to tell you, that's what I'm sensing in my spirit, that there's a feast. And it fits with Rob's word of provision. Yeah, but we got to be hungry. For his presence, exactly what Rob's been saying. And things will look different. They will be different. They will offend. They will upset us, especially if you're creatures of habit and you like your routine. I've come to learn God ain't a God of routine. Yeah, he shakes us up that we might see his glory. I want to tell you if you got the faith to believe it, your famine is going to be a feast here in our midst here in our very lives. Amen? God is good.